0: Today we're starting a brand new series of messages called Answering Our Culture. You know, when, when God called me here to this church, it was with the idea that He wanted this church to become a tool that He could use to bring many people to Christ. I want you to know it's, it's over the last few years that I've been here, that vision has not dimmed, but rather it's, it's getting stronger all the time. I'm convinced that God wants to equip this congregation to have a hand in bringing people to, to Jesus and bringing the gospel to this area. The Bible teaches us that Jesus sent us into the world. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. We all know this passage, the Great Commission. This is what it says. Jesus is speaking. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you, always to the very end of the age. So Jesus sent us as followers, as disciples. He sent us into the world to engage our culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and and here's what we know, and many of you have already experienced that. The world will not always appreciate our message. The world will not always want to hear what we have to say, but we have a mandate from Jesus to be his missionaries to this world, regardless of of whether or not we will be accepted or whether or not even the message will be accepted. We've been called to do this. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And and we need to begin engaging our culture right here in Marion, Arkansas, here, you know, we read that verse. He said, you receive power and you be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea. And he goes out these other places. We need to understand that Mary in Arkansas is our Jerusalem. Or if you live in West Memphis, West Memphis is your Jer- Jerusalem. And we have to learn how to reach out to our local culture as we continue to reach out around the world through missions. The question is, what can we do to actually get out there and introduce people to Jesus? But the other question is, what is it that keeps people from giving their lives to Christ? And over the next several weeks, we're going to answer several of the common objections to Christianity just to try to give you another tool in your interactions with people. Uh, We're going to learn how to handle objections and criticisms criticisms people have about Christianity. Uh, For example, we're going to be talking about when people say, uh, if God is good, why is there evil in the world? We're going to be talking about why we can trust the Bible, because some people will say, oh, it's just a, it's just a book put together by men. And we're going to be talking about some of these issues uh, that people bring up, and, and they really often are just using as an excuse to not listen to the gospel. And so we're going to be talking about that. And I want to say this, that the next several weeks, I believe may be a great opportunity for you to be inviting non-Christians to come with you to church. I promise you that you won't be embarrassed by the messages and neither will they. But but this may be an opportunity for people to understand that that Christianity, while it is a faith-based religion, it's something that is based on our faith in Christ. There are also very real and very good reasons why we can trust that this faith is real. And so we're going to be talking about that. Today, I want to start with the basis for this series, the fact that some people have decided that Christianity is not true and that it doesn't really matter what you believe. We're not going to today discuss any specific objections to becoming a Christian, but we're just going to be talking about the underlying reasons for non-belief. We're going to spend our time today in 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you want to turn there. While you're turning there, I want to just pray... And I want to ask God's blessing to ask him help us this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. And we know that your word is powerful. And I pray, God, that as we look into it, that you would just open our minds, open our hearts, help us to see you clearly, help us to understand what's going on around us and help us to see the opportunities that are around us all over the place as we live our lives. And I pray, God, that in Jesus' name, that you would would anoint these words. You would make these things come alive to us. God, I don't have the power to do that. I am weak, and I admit that. And and but yet, Lord God, you said that you, you use the weak things of the world to confound the wise. So Lord, I pray you would use these words today. Have your way. Change us in your presence today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Second Timothy chapter four, beginning in verse one. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing in His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Everyone here knows somebody who for one reason or another does not believe in Jesus Christ as his or her uh, Savior and Lord. And we need to understand that God has placed us in their lives so that we would have the opportunity to help lead them into a relationship with God through Jesus. How many of you uh, uh, in here uh, were Boy Scouts at any time in your life? Yeah, I was a Boy Scout. I was not a very good one. I don't think I made it past. I don't think I even made it first class. I mean, I was not very good at it. Uh, but, but anybody remember what the Boy Scouts motto is? <laughs> I, I think I heard somebody say it. Be prepared. None of the Boy Scouts remembered it, but the mom of the Boy Scout did. It's be prepared. And so just like the Boy Scouts... We need to be prepared to meet the challenge of bringing the truth to our culture. We can't just walk into the world and just and just without any preparation. We need to be prepared. We need to understand what people are thinking, what they're saying, and be able to have a a cogent conversation with them about uh, the gospel. And I want to give you two truths and three ideas to prepare yourself as you interact with people around you, praying that God would open their hearts to the truth of the gospel. The first, first truth about people is this. Some people were, will reject the truth no matter what. That's what we need to understand. That's just the case. And that will help you when some people say no, when you feel rejected. And, and, and it helps you to keep it from taking it too personally. Because some people will reject the truth no matter what. There was a busload of politicians who were driving down a country road in, a, in an old bus. And all of a sudden, the bus ran off the road and crashed into a tree on an, in an old farmer's field. The old farmer, after seeing what had happened, went over to investigate, it, investigate the, the situation. And he then proceeded to dig a hole and bury all the politicians short time later, the sheriff, the local sheriff came out and he saw the crash bus and and he asked the old farmer where all the politicians had gone. And, and the old farmer said, well, I, I buried him. And the sheriff said to the farmer, he said, well, the coroner wasn't here. Are you, are you sure that they were all dead? And the old farmer said, well, some of them said they weren't, but you know how them politicians lie. The truth didn't matter to that old farmer. And for some people, the truth just does not matter. It doesn't matter what you say. If it is true, if it challenges their worldview, they will reject it. It says in verse three, we just read it. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Why is it that some people reject the truth out of hand without giving it any thought? Well, some people reject the truth because it goes against previous knowledge. And I put knowledge in quotation marks. Uh, here's what I mean by that some suppose that someone you're that you know has been told their entire life that being baptized as a baby was their ticket to heaven and now you're speaking to them and they're faced with the truth from Scripture that nothing you do will ever earn your way to heaven not even baptism that it's not about those kind of things that it's about putting your faith in Christ alone. And they look at you and say, but my parents and my minister told me I was going to heaven. This thing you told me can't be true. And so the problem is it is true. When you look at God's word, you see that God's word says it is true. And there's nothing that you or I can can do that's going to change that. And so many times people, the, the truth calls people to reject what they have been taught that 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 happens in our lives often very very much so it's just especially hard when you're dealing with somebody who who is of jewish or muslim background because that's calling for them to reject thousands of years of tradition and teaching to be able to embrace something that the bible is teaching it's it's hard to accept truth uh, 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 excuse me accept as truth something that goes against previous teaching but there, there is a category of people like that, but the vast majority of people really fall into this next one, and that is that some people reject truth because it's inconvenient. Some people reject truth because it's inconvenient. This is where I believe most people really lie. If we're honest with people when we share the gospel with them, they're going to know, they're going to understand, and I think most even non-Christians understand this, Is and that is that God does save us for heaven, but he expects us to live for him on earth. He, he, most people understand that when you become a Christian, that something is supposed to change. The way you live is supposed to change. The way you think is supposed to change. The way you act is supposed to change. The way you, you believe is supposed to change. All of these change. And, and that's why often there is, there is the criticism that Christians are just a b- bunch of hypocrites because they know there's supposed to be something different. By the way, that's one of the, ideas we're going to be dealing with a little bit later on. Uh, What that means is when we understand that God saves us for heaven, but that he expects us to live for him on earth, it means that here on earth, uh, while we are, are free from the penalty of sin and we're empowered by God, but we're empowered by him to live outside the power of sin. That there's going to be a change. Now, we know what that means to us, but what it means to a non-believer when they hear that, that you're going to have to change, that, that, that God's going to move you, he's going to change the way you act and all of these things. What that means to a non-believer who doesn't understand the, the freedom that we're talking about, what that means to them is they have to give up all the stuff that they thought was fun. I've had people... Not listen to the gospel simply because they said no, no, no. I just want to have fun now. Because the truth was inconvenient, and, and so it puts a major cramp on their lifestyle. And and all, listen, unless the Holy Spirit really gets a hold of them, many times people will push Christ away just simply because. They don't want to have to change. It's inconvenient for them. So people reject the truth because it goes against what they've heard before and because it's inconvenient. Here's the second truth about people. And that is that people will gather others around them who agree with them. Now, this is what it said in verses three and four. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear, they will turn their ears away from the truth and aside to myths. Listen, here's the truth. We all like to be around people that we agree with, right? I mean, that's why you're here today. You like to be, it's a good thing, especially when it involves Christian fellowship where we come together, where we can encourage one another, we can pray for one another. But the same is true for people outside the church. How many of you remember the old TV show Cheers? You know, I mean, the song, the theme song for Cheers, is so powerful. There's a lot of truth there because it says, "Everybody wants to go, wants to be where where somebody, where everybody knows your name." There's this thing in us that we want to belong. We want to gather around people that are that are like us, that think like us. It's true inside the church, but it's out true outside the church. People who don't want to live for Christ. Gather people around them who will give them freedom to reject him and they'll encourage a life away from him. That's Romans chapter one where it talks about not only do they commit these sins, but they, but they glory in the fact that other people are doing. They're encouraging other people. It's because if I encourage you and you're doing it, then that makes me feel better about it as well. I mean, let's be honest. Who wouldn't want, who wouldn't want to hear? Who wouldn't like it to hear that you can sin all you want? and still go to heaven. I mean, who wouldn't like to hear that? You know, the truth is there are plenty of people who dress up in clerical robes and, and they give themselves the title of reverend or pastor or bishop or whatever uh, title they choose, but they deny the very truth of scripture that God is holy and that God will judge sinners and they make up things. They will twist the scripture all to justify their own even their own sin and that's a very appealing message to the sinful nature of man who wouldn't like to hear that there are many paths to god if there if there is a god at all they say and that it doesn't matter which way you choose or which way you go as long as you're sincere which has always been the the kind of the dumbest idea in my mind when i hear that because it's like well if you as long as you're sincere you all paths lead to god no, that's just silly we don't believe that in any other area of life if you if you were taking your family to a a vacation uh on the beach in florida you're not just going to get out on the highway and say hey just take any highway all highways lead to the beach in florida no you're not going to do that you're going to well it used to be you'd research and plan out your trip now you're gonna to listen to your GPS as it says, turn right now. And when you miss it, they'll say recalculating. And now they'll say, turn right in a quarter of mile. But but you're gonna you're going to you're going to follow the directions to get there because you innately understand that if there is a destination, there is a pathway to get to the destination and to say that all roads lead to heaven, that all faiths and all religions lead to Jesus are all they all of them lead to heaven. That's the same thing as 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 saying that there's a destination, but there's no real pathway. And so who wouldn't want to hear that? Who wouldn't like to be around people who don't consider your lifestyle as sinful, but rather celebrate it as diverse? Too often, though, what has happened is that the church has has created walls. They built walls because we've been guilty of pushing people away at times. And sometimes we push them right into the arms of people who don't know Christ and, and they don't care to know Christ, but they accept these people as they are. This is what we have to understand. If we're going to reach people for Jesus, we've got to understand that we have to accept them as they are. Now I'm going to clarify that in a moment. But let's look at Jesus example. One of the great truths about coming to Jesus is that Jesus takes us just like we are. Because listen, if he didn't, we're in trouble because there's nothing you can do to save yourself. So if I have to, if I have to get this part right or have to do this or do that to make, to be able to come to Jesus. Now I have done something to earn my salvation. But Jesus says, no, you come to me. That's all you have to do. I will accept you where you are. He says, I love you just like you are. But he goes on and says, however, I love you too much to leave you like you are. He never ever in scripture ever spoke to a person who was a sinner who after he forgave them said now just go and sin it up he always said afterwards okay your sins are forgiven i love you i i I have the power to forgive sin and i'm forgiving your sin now but then he would say now go and sin no more there was always that part of it the truth is We cannot clean ourselves up enough for God to accept us. You cannot, we cannot remove our own sin. See, to be in the presence of God, to be in heaven, God is perfect and anything that's imperfect cannot exist in His presence. And sin cannot exist in His presence. Here's the problem with that. Uh, Let let me just take a little survey. Let me ask you this question. Um, How many lies does it take to be a liar? Boom, one. Now, here's the problem. Once you've told one lie, by the way, let me just take a survey. How many of you have ever told a, a, a single lie in your lifetime? How many of you have ever told a lie? Okay, some of you are not raising your hands. You're lying right now. <laughs> we, know that's, we know that's true. Okay, but here's the problem you can never unsay a lie. Once you've told a lie, you can never change the fact that you are a liar. Now, you can confess. You can tell the truth later. You can ask that person to forgive give you. You can reconcile with them. You can do all those things. But it does not change the fact that you are a liar because you've told a lie. That's the reality. And here's the problem. If I'm a liar and lying is a sin... How can I possibly come into the presence of God? How can I expect to go to heaven if I'm going to walk into His presence and I am a sinner? Because if if it takes one lie to be a liar, guess how many sins it takes to be a sinner? One. That's the problem. I can't undo what I have done. That's the power of what Jesus does. Because at the cross... He took the penalty for our sins on himself. He bore that penalty on himself. Our, the penalty for sin, according to Romans chapter three, is death and we're walking in spiritual death now and we're gonna face judgment for our sins sometime down the road. And yet Jesus comes in and he steps up and as if you can picture the courtroom of heaven as, as we're standing trial there and the father is there as the judge of the universe and we stand before him and, and he says to us, How do you plead? And Jesus interrupts and says, your honor, he's guilty. However, I've paid the penalty. And God says, all right, your your slate is wiped clean. You're free to enter heaven. Because what Jesus does, he, he says the old person dies. That old sinner is dead. This is what baptism is a picture of. And now a new person comes to life. And all those old things, the Bible says, have passed away. They're gone. Only he has the power to remove the title of liar from my name. And that allows me to come into his presence. That's why it's not about what we can do. It's not about us cleaning ourselves up. In fact, it's kind of like when people say, well, i got to get my act together and then I'll come to church. That's kind of like saying, well, you know what? i got to get cleaned up so I can jump in the shower. You don't get cleaned up to get in the shower. You get in the shower to get cleaned up. You don't get yourself cleaned up to come to God. You come to God so that He can clean you up. That's the whole idea behind this. Unfortunately, uh, you know, we, we people come to Jesus and He cleans us up after we come to Him. But unfortunately, many times as Christians, it's very easy to for us to forget that. And we want, at times, we want the sinner to get their act together before we waste our time with them. And, and let me just tell you, if that's your attitude, then you've got to let that go. If you're serious at all about seeing people come to Christ through any influence of yours, you have to let that go and don't expect it. Because listen, it, 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 you know, you, you, we have to know we cannot expect people who have not been born of God to act like Christians. I've always, listen, when you see somebody who doesn't know God do something shocking, don't be surprised. That's what sinners do. Don't be shocked when sinners act like sinners. We need to understand that. Now, does that say accepting people? Does that say, that? does that mean that we accept sinful lifestyles as being good? No, that is not what we're talking about we accept the person. We love them the whole time speaking truth to them about what the Bible says is true, what the Bible says is good, and what the Bible says is evil. That's what the Bible talks about, speaking the truth in love. And that's what it means is that we accept them. We love them. We serve them, whether they accept Jesus or not, we serve them. And as we do, we're telling them the truth about the word of God. We're telling them the truth about Jesus. And as we do that, then Jesus can use that to draw them to him. But remember, Christ does his work in a person as they come to him. After he comes, they come to him. So let's review. Some people that will deny the truth and then people will gather people who will teach them what they want to hear. So what does that mean for us? That means, and this is the title of today's message, that means we must be prepared. People are going to argue. People are going to have objections. People are going to have all kinds of excuses. We need to be prepared. Now, I will say at the forefront and I'll bring it up again. This is not to imply that you can argue anybody to Jesus. I have never seen anybody argued to Jesus. It doesn't happen. But I want to give you tools. I want to help you have, have answers so that when they have sincere questions... Listen, if somebody is just using something as an excuse, they don't care if you have the answer. But when somebody is sincerely asking questions, I want to help prepare you. I want you to be prepared. So the first step to being prepared, is to pray. I know that's not, that sounds so simple, and listen, none of this is rocket science, uh, but, but, but we have to know that only God can open the heart and mind of a person. Only God can help people see what's going on. We might have answers, as I said, and I hope you'll be ready to, to give an answer as to why you have hope, as, as Peter says in, in, in his passage. But we have to understand that if a person comes to Christ, it is not because you talk them into it, but it's because the Holy Spirit was at work inside of them. In fact, when you have the opportunity to lead somebody to Jesus, the truth is Somebody else, God has used somebody else sometime in the past to plant a seed and the Holy Spirit has used other people to water the seed and you just happen to be there at the harvest time. But it, but we need to know that what's taking place is that we are in a spiritual war for people's souls and we have to learn to use the weapons of our spiritual warfare, not the least of which is prayer. We need to pray that, that God would open people up to the truth of the gospel. In fact if you're going to be used by god you need to be praying this constantly over people around you people without god we need to understand people without jesus people who have not come to know him the bible tells us they are blind to the truth what does that mean they cannot see it without the intervention of god second corinthians 4 4 the god of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, if that's true, then we need to know... That prayer is one of the most powerful tools we have in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's more important than learning the answers. It's more important than, than being able to argue with somebody or be able to do these other things. We have to start with prayer because it is a powerful tool for tearing down strongholds, for tearing down, to taking off blinders off of people's spiritual eyes. Prayer moves the hand of God to open the minds of people to the truth of gospel. And so we need to pray that God will open their eyes and open their minds to be able to see and understand. The second thing we need to pray for is that we need to pray for opportunities to share the gospel with people. We need to say, Lord, give me opportunities to tell somebody about Jesus today. And when you pray for opportunities, I guarantee this. I guarantee if you pray for opportunities to share your faith, God will open doors for you to do so. He will set up divine appointments for you to do so. There's a story of a guy who prayed every morning. This is what he prayed. Every morning he got up and he said, Lord, if you want me to witness to someone today, please give me a sign to show me who it is. Well, one day after he prayed that prayer, he found himself on a bus. He commuted to work on a bus and he got on the bus and 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 as he's sitting there, as this big, burly, scary looking man sat next to him and The bus was nearly empty, but this guy sat right next to our praying friend and the timid, this timid Christian was just anxiously awaiting for his stop because he wanted to exit the bus. He wanted to get out there as fast as he could. But before he could get very nervous at all the, the, uh, about the man sitting next to him, this big guy suddenly burst into tears and he began to weep and he and he cried out with a loud voice and he said, I need to be saved. I'm a lost sinner and I need the Lord. Won't somebody tell me how to be saved? And he turned to the Christian and he pleaded with him. Can you show me how to be saved? And that guy immediately bowed his head and prayed and said, Lord, is this a sign? <laughs> well, most of the time the opening isn't quite as obvious as that. But I want you to know if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you will begin to recognize his nudging when an opportunity to share the gospel presents itself. When an opportunity to tell somebody what Jesus has done for you to present itself, you'll begin to, to feel that nudging. You'll begin to recognize his voice And when that happens, don't be afraid. Just walk in faith. Don't don't hold back because you say, I just don't have all the answers. You you do. You do know all the answers because the answer is Jesus. That's one thing you need to know. Here's the second step in being prepared. That is to bring the word. Bring the word. He said in verse 2, Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now, this book was written to a man named Timothy. He was a young preacher, a young evangelist. And Paul was urging Timothy to continue in his ministry of proclaiming the word of God. Now, here's, listen, I realize that not everybody has been called to be a preacher in the sense of Timothy or in, 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 or myself. But the point is, is that the word of God is essential in eliminating error. The Word of God is essential in eliminating error. The the Word of God eliminates error because it is truth. You can picture it like this. Error is darkness, truth is light. When you turn on the light, it chases out out the darkness. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. In, In other words, God Himself spoke the words of Scripture's of the scriptures into the hearts and the minds of those who wrote it down. God is the, and it wasn't like, you know, they see a word and write down a word because he used their, their vocabulary, their personality, who they are just the same way that he's going to use you the way that you are. But, but it's all a consistent message from God. God is the author of all truth. And he reveals it to us through the word of God. Now, That means to know the truth, you must know the Bible. You need to know the Bible. You need to know what the Bible says about about how a person can be certain that he or she is going to heaven. Know what the Bible says about judgment and, and what it says about grace. Know what the Bible says about the full life that Jesus wants us to have. Know what the Bible says about forgiveness and being purified by the blood of Jesus. Know what the Bible says about the ultimate end of the devil. Devil. Know what the Bible says about Jesus' attitude towards sinners that, that he came to seek and to save that which was lost, that he died for them. Know what the Bible teaches and know where it teaches it so you can show that person right from the Bible. Bring the word. You, you've got to know. Listen, I believe this is one of the... The greatest weaknesses of the church in America is that we don't know the word of God. We rely on our, uh, listen, I'm just going to get real. So many of us rely on the praise songs that are being written to get our theology from it. Some of them have great theology. Some of them have stinking theology. The only way you're going to know whether it's right or whether it's true is if you know what it says in here. Know the word, get into the word, read the word, study the word, know what it says. And and, and when you know what it says, you're able to show them people what it says. And you say, well, what if they don't, what if they reject the Bible? Well, we'll talk about that another week. But that's your basis of truth. That's how you know what truth is. Know Know the word, bring the word. Third step in being prepared is to bring your testimony. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Listen to this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So you need to be ready to tell people, why you're living a life of hope in a world that's full of despair. Listen, our world is in bad shape. I don't think anybody here would argue anything different. We're in bad shape. If you don't believe that, I just challenge you to uh, walk down the streets of Memphis at about midnight on pretty much any Friday night. Yeah, nobody's going to do that, Right. You, you, nobody's going to do that because you know this world is a, a broken world it's in bad shape it's a dangerous place uh, and, and and when you live a life that's filled with hope people are going to have questions because there are many many people out out there without christ who feel hopeless and you've got to be ready to give an answer And the way you do that is just simply tell them your story. You you need to make your testimony personal, the hope that you have, not just the Christian population in general. Tell them your story. Tell them how you came to know Christ. Tell them what he's done in your life, how he has changed your life. Uh, Because people will always argue theology. But it's very, very difficult to argue with a person's story. They'll argue with you say, when you say, well, this is what I believe is true. And they say, well, I don't believe that. They'll argue with that. But then when you say, listen, I want to tell you what, what Jesus has done in my life. I want to tell you my experience, what has happened to me. It's very hard to argue that because they're not going to be able to look at you and say, no, that didn't happen. Well, yes, it did. I was there. It's my story. They'll, they'll argue with you about your beliefs, but they can't argue with you when you tell them how Jesus changed you when nothing else could. So the one who says, listen, I tried to break free of my addiction many, many times in the past, but I could never get free. And then I put my life in Jesus's hand and he broke the chains of addiction. Listen, it's like the man who was born blind in, in scripture. Um, I don't have the passage in uh, the top of my head, but the, the man was born blind and Jesus healed him. He, he made some mud out of the dirt and put the mud on his eyes and healed him. But after Jesus healed him, the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders of the day, they, they interrogated this man because and the reason they interrogated him is because they hated Jesus. They didn't believe that Jesus was from God and and, and they didn't want to believe. They didn't believe that Jesus was from God. They said he couldn't be from God because he made mud and put it on this blind blind man's eyes and he healed him and it was on the Sabbath. And and that's working on the Sabbath. He's not keeping the rules. He can't be of God because he's not honoring the Sabbath. He can't be of God because he's not keeping our religious rules and regulations. So they pull this man in and they ask him, uh, this man who had been healed, and they say, what do you say about it? They'd already made up their minds. They don't care what he says. They just want to make sure he's not going to become one of his converts. And the first time they asked him that, he said, I think he's a prophet. Well, they didn't like that because they said he can't be from God. God. And so they again insisted to him, they said, no, 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 Jesus is a sinner because he doesn't keep our rules. So they asked him again. They say, we know this man is a sinner. What do you say? Now, now by this point in time, the guys figured out they're just trying to make me agree with them no matter what I think. And so the man looks at them and says, look, I don't know about all the things you're arguing about. I don't know any of those things. You're the experts in theology. You're the experts in all of those things, not me. But he looked at them and he said, I don't know any of those things. But all I know is this. I was blind. Now I see. They couldn't argue with him. They couldn't argue with him uh, uh, that. And 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 even in that, he couldn't argue with them into, into believing Jesus was from God. He just told them the truth about what he had experienced after Jesus touched him. And so you need to do that. And as you share your testimony, as you talk about the gospel, you need to do it in ways that respect the person with whom you're visiting. He, he said in that passage, he said to do this with gentleness and respect. Uh, I learned a long time ago, maybe you figured this out too, You don't get very far by screaming at sinners. In fact, I don't get very far even screaming at my own kids, right? You know what I'm talking about? They don't hear that. You don't get very far. People need to hear that God does judge sin, but they also need to hear the rest of the story. They need to hear that God has provided a way out of that judgment through Christ and that a person can spend eternity in heaven. And we need to be firm, but we need to be friendly and we need to be loving and stand on the truth. And and when we do that in a loving way, then when they do have questions, guess what? You'll be the person they turn to. Fourth step in being prepared. is We saw it in in 1 Peter 2.12. Live a holy life. Live a holy life. Live such good lives among the pagans, he writes. Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You've got to live a life that honors God. Why is that? Because as you live the truth, it gives credibility to the words you say. If if you try to talk about the gospel, and you live in a sinful way, you have have zero credibility for anybody that's listening to you. Because they know coming to Christ changes a person. They know a Christian is supposed to be different. Here's what I would say. Be the exact opposite of what people have been taught to expect of Christians. If they think Christians are just all a bunch of judgmental hypocrites, then make sure you're the opposite of that. Live in a way that that honors Christ. Be a model citizen who loves and respects his neighbor. Be the kind of person who leaves the impression that you have something special inside of you because you do. Living a life that is consistent with with what you claim as a Christian, as I said, gives you credibility. We, We live in a society that just seems to want to ignore the claims that God the Creator has on our world. Listen, if He created the world, which we believe He did, then it means it belongs to Him and He has a claim on His creation. People don't, they want to ignore the claims. But listen, ignore it, try to snuff it out or whatever. It does not change the fact that God has a claim on us and that one day He will call in that claim. We need to alert people to the fact that Jesus will someday return. He's going to come to take his people home. And it is to their advantage to take the offer of salvation before that happens. Before it's too late. But we live in a broken world and we have the challenge as followers of Jesus. We have the challenge of talking to people who reject truth. I mean, they they even say there's no such thing as absolute truth. We're going to talk, probably talk about that one week, which is always funny to me because when somebody says there's no such thing as truth, then I always want to say, well, is that true? It's, it's indefensible. You can't have that position because if there's no such thing as absolute truth, then you can't make a statement that there is no absolute truth because that would be an absolute truth. So... We live in a world that reject truth. We live in a world that gather other people around them that tell them what they want to hear. What we need to know, as we do this, this takes work. This takes time. This takes patience. It takes, maybe at times it may be years of loving and serving a person before they finally let their guard down and listen to what Jesus is trying to say to them. It's not easy work. How many of you know it's not easy to serve, and and it's even harder to serve people who treat you poorly? Anybody figured that out? But it's ultimately very rewarding. In fact, even if they never receive Christ, it's very, very rewarding in my life when I do that because I know that I've lived in a way that honors Christ. And that brings me joy. So are you willing to take the challenge to reach out to a lost and dying world with the good news that the God of all truth knows everything about them? And yet he loves them so much that he sent his son to die for them. That's amazing to me that God knows everything about me. And yet knowing everything about me, he still loves me. Are you willing to be used by God to bring somebody to the truth of Christ? Listen, I want you to hear this. Make it personal. God desires to use you. Not just Pastor Dave, not just a select few in the congregation. God desires to use you. But you must make yourself available. Part of that process of making yourself available is to prepare yourself. Pray. Get into the word. Know, know how to, to tell your testimony. You can make a difference. You will be used by God, I promise you, if you'll make yourself available to Him. Amen. Would you bow your head? Close your eyes. Father, as we come into your presence, I know, Lord, you do want to use us, each of us individually. You want to use us corporately as a church as well, but God, it really boils down to whether or not we will be willing to, to share the truth in a spirit of love with a, in the middle of a world that doesn't believe in truth and doesn't even know if real love exists. Or if they do believe it, they twisted the meaning and they don't even know what love really is. God, I pray that You would just work in our hearts and help us, God, to just be willing. And Lord, where we're weak, if we're not praying for People around us, and we're not praying for opportunities to share the gospel. Holy Spirit, convict us of that right now. And I pray that we would respond with repentance and we would change that. And we would become people who pray constantly throughout the day. Lord, just touch this person here. I pray that you'd open their eyes to the gospel. Lord, help me to love them and to serve them. And and God, I pray that you would just make yourself known to them. God, give me opportunities to share the truth of Jesus with somebody today, Lord, that we would be people who pray those kind of prayers. And God, I pray if, if we're weak in the word, if we don't know what it says, that God, we will make a resolution before you and that by the power of your spirit, with your help, we'll get into the word and we'll begin reading and we'll, we'll learn what it says and we'll be ready to give an answer right out of the word of God because your truth turns on the light in the darkness. But God, wherever we are, I just pray that you would call us. You'd help us to realize that this is is not a message of condemnation. This is a call to action. This is a a message that says to each one of us, God has a plan. God has called each of us. God wants each of us to be like Ludmilla, the lady in the video. That he wants us to to be missionaries, to be uh, embassies, Uh, uh, for Christ ambassadors for Christ right where we live and God you know every one of us we have different skills different talents different abilities and you can use every one of those to honor Christ and Lord I pray that you'd help us in this moment just to come to that holy resolution where we say Jesus here I am use me today with your heads bowed and your eyes closed and there's nobody looking around i, I want to know first of all if there's anybody here that would say pastor dave i want you to i want you to pray for me because I, I i'm not i'm far from christ i don't know christ i haven't even received him into my life and and today i've heard how he died for me and i i want to surrender to him and if that is anybody here even on the live stream would you just slip your hand up so i can pray for you i promise i won't embarrass you maybe you're on the live stream just Just indicate on there, just say, pray for me in the comments section. But I want to give that opportunity before we do anything else. Is there anybody here that say, Pastor, pray for me? All right. Here's the second question. How many of you here would say, Pastor Dave? I want to be used by God. I want to be used by God. Pray for me because I need to pray for those around me. I need to get into the word. I want to make a difference. I want to be prepared. I want to be used by God. If that's you, just slip your hand up all over this. Man, they're just hands all over the place. Father, you see the the cries of every heart. You see where we really are. And God, you're not calling everybody to stand behind a pulpit and preach, but you're calling all of us to be ambassadors of truth in a world that has lost truth. And say, I just pray, God, that you would just anoint us. God, that you would help us. Lord, that to help us to make the changes that we need to make in our life to be prepared so that we can give an answer to those around us for the, for the hope that we have while we're living in a hopeless world. So, God, I pray that you would anoint every person, that you would fill us with your Spirit, that, God, that you would give us a passion and a burden for the people that are lost around us, especially for those, God, that are difficult, that persecute us. Give us a Christ-like, Spirit-empowered love for them, God. Help us to pray for them. Help us to pray for our lost friends and loved ones. And God, I pray that in Jesus' name, you would use us to bring them into a relationship with Christ. Father, I pray that you'd help us as we Go through this whole week, that every day, God, we'd pray, Lord, give me an opportunity today. And the Lord, when that moment comes, whisper in our ear and say, This is it. Even if it's just a single sentence, that we'll be obedient and say and tell them about Jesus. Or maybe we'll pray with them. Or maybe we'll be able to show them something out of the word. God, you set it up. And help us to be faithful to walk through that door. And we give you praise for all of this. In the strong name of Jesus. Amen.